pandemic has upset a lot of different parts of the economy, but one area where there's been no slowdown? Ag technology investment. Really? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. You'd think after the billions invested in agricultural technology over the last decade that spending might slow down. At least I did. The fact is, it hasn't, and during the pandemic, it has continued to increase. To get a better handle on that, we connected with Roger Royce, a partner at Palo Alto law firm Haynes Boone, who's been working with ag tech companies for a long time. He's also a keen observer of this market and shares a lot of interesting insights into where these tech firms are and how the startup business has changed. And he clarifies why today's farmers should care. It's an interesting conversation. Roger Royce, uh, thanks for joining me on Around Farm Progress. Yeah, good morning. It's great to be here. Yeah, so we're talking about something that I'm up to my neck in half the time is ag tech and trying to keep up with what's going on. And you are uh, very instrumental in following it and also helping companies and all that. But I guess the question I have is, you know, about a year ago, we did a podcast talking about the massive investment during COVID. Um, Is that continuing or tell me what's going on in that area? Give me some trend information. Yeah, well, well, thanks for asking. So I, I come to the area a little bit differently. I'm a lawyer uh, with Haynes and Boone. I work with technology startups and venture capital. And uh, my perspective on this tends to be from the tech side, even though I'm from an agricultural area, I'm from North Dakota, and I grew up, grew up around agriculture, and I practice in California, which is an agricultural state. Uh, I'm in Silicon Valley, so I see the tech pieces being put in place and the venture capitalists that that come around them. So your question about COVID is a good one. It really changed the landscape in terms of where the money is going. And some of the very biggest deals that have been done, both both in terms of individual deals as as well as where the money has gone, has been into solutions that were basically were basically invented to deal with COVID. E-grocery, home delivery, uh, meals on demand. Uh, it's what you know what we call downstream, um, <clears throat> sort of uh, in the agri-food space, downstream technologies. And yeah, that, that's been a big driver. It's gone up 188% according to the Ag Funder report since 2020 to 2021 investment in that space. So, so that's been one of the big drivers in the last couple of years. That's pretty incredible. Obviously, we work on the row crop side, so we're a little upstream from the downstream. But I guess it show that consumers want solutions and they're a lot more focused on their food, aren't they? Yeah, they, they sure are. But, you know, the up, upstream side is I've seen a huge explosion in that as well. I mean, almost $19 billion worldwide in 2021. And that's way up, you know, from from the year before. So, you know, it's, it's just a lot of money. You know, there's a lot of money in the system generally. Uh, but there's certainly a, a lot in all sectors in ag tech. And ag tech, by the way, is becoming a much larger percentage of all venture capital, too. So since I started my program, Silicon Valley Ag Tech, uh, about yeah. eight years ago, uh, it has grown every year, every year, and not by a small amount, by large amounts in both the upstream and downstream sectors. That brings up an interesting question as someone who gets inundated with PR releases from every ag tech company. I believe. Um, And many of them are always the biggest, the best, the most, which is always hilarious. That's a whole different issue on my side. But it feels sometimes like there are a lot of really great solutions 
to some problems out there, but they're they're still at a stage where they're not getting. I mean, how do we get to market with some of this? Is that the next level? I mean, I don't see a lot of this stuff all the way to market. I'm getting a lot of IoT, Internet of Things, more and more of that kind of talk lately. Um, is there a gap or is it still are we getting closer to market with some of this stuff? There's still a gap and you kind of put your finger on the one big problem in this sector, but it's a lot better now than it used to be. Um, it used to be that, you know, I saw a lot of bright engineers inventing solutions to problems that didn't exist. Yeah. You know, solutions that weren't practical because we don't have broadband rural access or something like that. And they've gotten much better at that. But that's the interesting thing about agriculture. I don't have to tell you, it, you know, it's yeah. different. As an industry, it's different than other industries, uh, the market aspects of it. And getting these solutions into the market is the number one problem, I'd say, that most of these companies have. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. But But it's better now than it used to be. You know, companies have gotten smarter. They they brought on industry expertise. You know, they brought on people that understand the markets. Uh, they actually, you know, there was a time I remember when we first started doing this, I hosted a panel of a bunch of VCs investing in the space. And I remember one VC saying, what is the big deal about going to market? You know, we just put up a website and put our product on the website and people will come and buy it. Yeah, well, that's not quite how it works in this business. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we have a little bit of an ossified system. I mean, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's a very established distribution system, whether you're talking crop protection or equipment or technology, you're you're going through something, some sort of retail on the ground uh, location. I think that's probably been the biggest learning curve for a lot of these companies, hasn't it? That is absolutely true. And, you know, there, there are disruptors, no doubt, yeah, that are yeah. out there trying to get around that and eliminate the middleman, <laughs> et cetera. Yeah. But still, even today, like the biggest sellers of ag tech are just traditional, you know, implements, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're familiar names. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're also starting to, if you look at them, they're starting to think like startups, though, creating incubator type, incubator type offices, hiring Google engineers. Um, it's a very interesting world to, to be with a, a a long established farm equipment company and sit in their uh, incubator office somewhere talking to people that don't have any ag background. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's really changed too. And, and I, in my law firm, I have hosted a lot of those meetings with big ag, big food and, and tech companies and things have changed so much though. Uh, like I say, 10 years ago, I remember when I started promoting this, uh, I called, I'm not going to name any names, but I called one of the largest ag companies in the country, probably in the world. And it's back from my part of the world, back in the Dakotas, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I got some tech that you, from a business development manager. So I got some tech that you guys are going to want to see. You're going to love this. And they said to me, I said, hey, we're one of the largest companies in the world. What do we need you for? You know, we'll just <laughs> develop it ourselves. Well, the world has changed. You know, if big companies have figured out you know, that that we need we need innovation and innovation. Most of it comes from startups because those are the companies that can take that kind of risk. Uh, they don't have public shareholders to report to. So they can swing for the fences and come up with really new and innovative stuff. So so they've all gotten in on the act. Uh, they've all got venture capital arms now. Uh, mm -hmm. They've all a lot of them have got accelerators, incubators of their own uh, that are focused on kind of what they're doing. So it's a yeah, it's a little bit of a different world out there. Well, it's also kind of a horse race, isn't it? I mean, if you're if you're an angel investor and you've got a couple of good guys or gals that have a really unique idea, um, you kind of want to get caught up in some of these incubators and accelerators. And, and that's gotten very competitive, too, hasn't it? 
Yeah, it, it, it sure has. But, you know, it's it's sort of a seller's market now more than it has been in the past. There is so much money in the system coming from all directions. And I could talk for an hour as to why that is. But but I'll just tell you, there's tons of venture. You know, there's a lot of government money recently. Uh, we've now mm-hmm. got new new ways to get liquidity through the, the SPAC process. And there have been some big ag and food SPACs, by the way. Um, there's also the securities rules loosened up uh, over the last several years to allow uh, more companies to have more access to more investors. So when you, you have this perfect storm of a lot of money and a lot of companies, so now is a great time for companies to be raising money if, if they've really got something that's scalable. Well, and that I think that's probably the next level. Do they have, they have to go through that test, right? What's scalable and what isn't? And sometimes that means sitting down with a farmer in central Illinois and asking that very question. Well, absolutely. And, you know, here's I'll, I'll give you some inside baseball here. I see a lot of tech companies. I mean, I see probably yeah. more. I see more than any VC. I just do. You know, mm-hmm. they might argue. With bad. Me. I'm yeah. you, I do. And um, in fact, a lot of VCs will call me and they'll say, hey, what do you think of this company? And, and I'll just tell them, I say, yeah, there's, I've seen 50 like it, but or not. But mm-hmm. um, but but the thing is um, that. There's there's a lot of money, but it's it's chasing good deals is is what I'm saying. And right. and I've seen things change. And the really, you know, people have to look for opportunities like like COVID. There was an opportunity there for people mm-hmm. to get into good food delivery. And I saw companies pivot and do very well uh, in in, you know, in farm to table and delivery and supply chain issues. Climate change is another big change is another big one. We're seeing companies do very well in carbon sequestration. Uh, or, or something like that around carbon. And now what's going to be that this is a big problem, of course, it's tragic, but there's a big opportunity based on what's going on in Ukraine uh, because the world's grain supply is going to be very limited. I heard the, mm-hmm. the president say the other day that Ukraine and Russia are responsible for 70% of the wheat in the, in the world. Well, that's disrupted now. So somebody's got to figure out that supply chain solution or, or maybe an alternative an alternative. I don't know the answer. I just know that there's opportunities all over. Well, yeah. And if there's money, there'll be opportunity. That brings up an interesting question too, though. And as we've watched this, obviously this whole thing kickstarted out and that's probably the best word when um, Monsanto bought climate um, 900 million bucks got everybody's attention. Um, and, and then all this money started flooding the market and it's been good. There's some really great ideas and great companies but I've also seen some acquisitions, you know, um, uh, that companies get to a certain level and a major company says, hey, that's a good idea. I want that tech. Do you see more of those kinds of deals going down? There, there has been a lot more M&A. Um, okay. It's still a widely fragmented industry, uh, and that's good for startups. That means there's opportunities to go in and disrupt and take the market. Uh, there's more M&A, but it hasn't consolidated yet uh, like you might have expected. It's um, yeah. And, and, and kind of getting back to the original point before I lose it about mm-hmm. the market itself, just anecdotally, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I had one uh, client that uh, managed to attract an investment from really a superstar celebrity investor. I won't say the company or who it mm-hmm. is, um, but it was not the best tech. I see a lot of tech. And after we closed the investment, you know, I took him aside and I said, you know, I got to ask, you're a smart guy. You invested a lot of companies. You could have picked any company, any, you had your pick of the litter. Why this one, you know? And they said, well, I know what you're asking. You're, you're saying they don't have the best tech, but we can fix that problem. What they do have is market penetration. 
The farmers like this company, they're buying their product. And that's something that's really hard to replicate. So that's what we're really investing in. So anyway, I had to get that story. In. No, but that's a good story because that's my problem. You know, you made the comment about a lot of solutions looking for a problem in the early days. Um, today, I think the savvy company is the one that doesn't develop something yet and goes and sees 50 farmers and say, what are you trying to solve? And then goes back to Palo Alto or Santa Clara or whatever and goes a little nuts and comes up with that solution. And I, I'm beginning to see more of those types of things. It's yeah. slow, but I think those those are the folks. And then they'll be the ones that will get access to that um, difficult to achieve distribution or, or market, I think, uh, because I'm beginning to see that the major companies, pick your favorite, are kind of open to these ideas. They're, they see that innovation, they can't do it all themselves. I hope. Yeah, they, they figured that out. And there there were, you know, some were earlier adopters than others. Um, you know, some of them were very receptive when I called them. They said, oh, we'd love to come sit in your offices and meet some of your companies. And I think they're going to do they're going to do well. Kind of reminds reminds me of where Big Pharma was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, when they you know, their patents started to expire and they realized they just had to go out into the startup community and start acquiring. You know, we're, we're, we're I, I feel like we're starting to see that. We've seen some M&A. But we're going to see a lot more of it going forward. That does make sense. So I, I like to ask this question and you're you're sitting in Palo Alto and you've been from North Dakota and I, maybe you heard the weather. They got two feet of snow, but let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. But I guess uh, uh, let's ask this question I like to ask sometimes is why should the farmer care about all this? What from your perspective and your ag background, why should a farmer care about all this investment? Oh, they should definitely care about this. Um, you know, agriculture for all of its differences, it's still a competitive industry. And uh, farmers want to be competitive. Uh, I, I think this is something that can improve their bottom line. And, and I know the markets are different in different parts of the world, but certainly here in California, it's, you know, your average farm here is a family farm. It does about 10 million a year in revenue. And there's a lot of them. And um, so if they can have a competitive edge on, on their neighbor, you know, they're going to make that much more money than their neighbor. Let me yeah. just put it that way. So I think there's a real economic incentive to, Increase and, and people keep saying we don't want to increase production. You know, we've got enough trouble selling what we can produce. We want to reduce costs. Well, this technology will definitely reduce costs. It will also increase production. Yeah, I think it will. And I think we need the. I think we're learning we need the production. I mean, even with uh, predicted corn acres and 181 bushels of corn, the price doesn't go down. I mean, we are seeing that there's a significant demand for the raw crops as well as food and all the way down the curve and any company that can play in that and improve efficiency is going to be a winner. So absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, there, there's some, there's some commonalities in, in between commodity and row crops for, yep. for, for sure. The markets are a little bit, bit different, but I see technologies transition all the time. They start out here in grapes and the next thing you know, they're back in the Midwest doing you know other types of crops. Yeah. And I've seen some tech that would prop go that way. I mean, the, and they, I guess the low-hanging fruit, for lack of a better phrase, out in California is a place to get the cash to build that operation so that you can come to the row crop world where the cost is different, but the massive opportunity with more acres is always very exciting for people. Something about 90 million acres of corn gets people's attention. Yeah, no, you, you got it. That's absolutely right. So, so we have a lot of what we call high-value crops here. Yeah. And they're very willing, you know, almonds, you know, is such a high-value crop. They're willing to experiment, grapes in particular. They're willing to set aside part of their fields to go try something different. Uh, and that's why you see a lot of companies get their start here. 
that's that's yeah that's real important and of course it started in silicon valley where there's always been vc and angel money i mean that's that's always been where it is so the bottle i'm seeing more of that come out of chicago and new york now too so it's very interesting where the funding sources are coming too right well yeah and that's the other great thing about this sector i mean i'm i'm in palo alto but my clients are all over the country and the world and the thing about ag tech is you really want to be close to your customers. So we're seeing that like Chicago, we have, you know, we have a big following in Chicago. I go there a mm-hmm. lot, I do presentations. Uh, it's a completely different kind of market and it's kind of, and you know, we get a lot of commodity traders, but, but nevertheless, it's all ag tech, St. Louis, another big sector. Yeah. Um, Florida has been a big place. So if you look at where the money is going, you'll, you'll see that, First of all, California is by far the biggest, so that's just a given. But then there's other places, Texas, Florida, yeah. uh, Minnesota, believe it or not, because you know I guess it's not hard to believe. It's a big agricultural state. But you'll notice that these ag tech uh, clusters are popping up in places. Northwest, for example, Seattle, Oregon yeah. has, been, has, been, has gotten a lot of investment last year. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, with the as they figure out where the ag tech is or where their tech fits agriculture, I mean, it's it's all important. And uh, it often starts with the high value crops, but definitely it's moving toward the row crops, and that's going to be exciting. Yep, <clears throat> definitely. Well, Roger, I appreciate your time today. It's been good to talk to you and keep up on what's going on with ag tech. I know our our listeners will find it very interesting. This will uh, uh, be important, and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you. I always enjoy talking about this. So, uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity. I enjoyed my conversation with Roger Royce, a partner at Haynes Boone in Palo Alto, California, and a longtime observer of ag tech. The industry does have its share of jargon. During the talk, he mentions the use of SPACs for funding. You know, SPACs are special purpose acquisition companies, which are essentially shell corporations listed on a stock exchange as a way to raise money to acquire or fund a private company. They've come on strong during the pandemic. Interesting times. Thanks to Roger Royce for those insights. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs, and our events including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. And there's another opportunity for staying connected to Farm Progress using your smartphone. If you text FARM to 20505, you can sign up for the Farm Progress mobile text service. When you send that first message, you'll get a confirmation. Be sure to respond to that too to make sure you get on the list. Once subscribed, you'll get a daily alert containing a top-level news item from our editorial team. And you can even eventually join the Farm Progress panel to share your insights with our regular polls. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.